Hello everyone listening today. Welcome to the final message in this month's series, Unmasking the Gospel. This has been a series where we have been exploring the rich content of 2 Corinthians. This is an area of scripture that is still so relevant for us today in terms of helping us to understand what the gospel is. But before I look at the scripture with you, I wonder if anyone listening today can remember the classic 1939 movie, The Wizard of Oz. I watched some of the clips from it recently and it's even weirder and stranger than I remember it to be and I wouldn't recommend it. But if any one of you can remember it and and remember what it's all about, then I want to talk to you because the Lord reminded me about this film specifically when I was preparing for this message and I could see why as he started to talk to me about it. You see in the film, along with Dorothy who's the central character, there's also the Scarecrow who wanted a brain, there's the Tin Man who wanted a heart, and there's the Cowardly Lion who wanted courage. But what they're all led to believe is that this Wizard of Oz can help them get what they need. And so they go and find him, they travel through the magical land of Oz, and when they meet him, they enter into this big dark room and there's all these lights and sounds and and smoke and they're terrified of this voice and this face, this big holographic face of the Wizard of Oz that appears to them. And they tell him why they've come, but then he sends them away to find something that he needs. And he's only gonna help them if they help him. So when they come back, instead of walking through the same way, they enter through this corridor and they walk down the corridor. And when they get to the end of this corridor, they can see there's this curtain that's slightly open and they can see a man facing towards the wall and he's he's pulling levers and pressing buttons and he's got microphones and uh, they see him and he spots the fact that they've noticed him and he starts getting frantic he says ah don't look behind the curtain don't look behind the curtain he tries to cover the curtain up and it's it's not working and they've seen him now and they're just standing there just looking at him while he's running around trying to sort himself out and there's nothing scary about him anymore because they realize that this Wizard of Oz isn't this huge, supernatural, powerful figure. He is just a man. He is just a fraud and a trickster. And he's led everyone to believe that he has so much power. But really, he only has power through fear and through lies. And so this is why it's so relevant to today's message. Because today I'm going to be talking to you about the devil's tactics and what he tries to do. You see, the devil doesn't want to be talked about. That is why he is a, a taboo subject in the church. He doesn't want to be seen for what he is. He doesn't want you to walk around the back, as it were, to see what's really going on with him. He just wants you to believe the show that he's putting out at the front. And you see, like the Wizard of Oz, the devil is actually scared to be seen for what he really is because then his power is gone. His power to do what he wants is broken. You see, like the devil, he's, the authority has been stripped away already, but there's a power that he's holding on to. You see, the devil only has power if we are not unaware of what's going on, if we allow him to carry on doing what he wants to do. I touched on in the first week when I was talking about grace, and I talked about how the devil tries to get us to fight each other rather than fight him and this is one of his big tactics and Paul tells uh, the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 that they need to forgive each other 
quote, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes, okay? In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. See, for the devil, it's not just one scheme. There are many schemes. And we are to remember 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that we need to be sober-minded and alert because our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You see, the way not to be caught out by a lion is to know where he is and stay away, to be aware, to be sober-minded. And so, of course, you'd expect that as I was putting this message together over the past few weeks, it took me so much longer than I thought it would take me. And so many things distracted me. And really, a lot of the time when I write other messages, I can just get on and write it. But this, it was just like, it was like walking through treacle this time. And uh, really, it only dawned on me yesterday what was really, has been taking place, because the enemy doesn't want you to hear this message today. And so that's exactly why you should hear it. And you are about to hear an absolutely vital message today. And so whatever you're doing right now, if you're doing housework, if you're just playing this in the background and, you know, having a casual listen, please don't do that for this message. Please try and make yourself still. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to open your eyes to where you've been blinded. Ask him for revelation. Lord, we ask you for revelation. Lord, we ask you to speak today. We pray that the enemy would be unmasked and pray that your kingdom come and your will would be done and no schemes of your enemies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so as I've been saying, I've been preparing to talk to you about Paul's words in 2 Corinthians. And really, the point of Paul's letter, uh, one of the main points, is that he needs to cut to the problem of what's going on with that church at that time. He had to unmask the gospel for them because their understanding of the gospel, the gospel that he had been the first one to preach to them, had become dim. They'd also become suspicious of Paul and not really trusting the words that he, sh- he was sharing. They weren't trusting Paul or his company. And so he reminds them at one point in the letter that there's nothing hidden about them, that they do need to reconsider uh, fully trusting him again as they once did he said but we have renounced the hidden things of shame not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of god deceitfully but by the manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of god but even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the god of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them that's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 2 to 4 in other words there's nothing hidden about us there's nothing hidden about Paul and his friends they are the real deal you Corinthian church you received the real gospel you received the true light but you must be aware that the God of this age little g God not God in heaven, little God, Satan, is trying to veil and trying to hide the true gospel from being seen by you and by the rest of the world. He is the opposer. That's what Satan means. It means the adversary or the opposer. And Satan wants to conceal what God wants to reveal. Satan wants to obscure 
what God wants to bring into revelation. Satan wants to bind up, but God wants to set free. Even now I'm finding it hard to actually speak this message and that is unusual. And so I just thank you, Lord, you're here and and Lord, you're going to speak today through hearts and you're going to bring freedom today for so many people and the gospel will go forth in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, we read in these verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that was just before when he talked about how the gospel is veiled. What happens, what he says just before that message is that uh, whenever, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And then, of course, he talks about how the gospel can be veiled. And you see, Jesus, well, he is the gospel, according to Paul. It's the gospel of the glory of Christ. It's all about him. He is the gospel. He is the revelation. He is the message. He is our freedom. He is the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the truth. If you don't have the truth, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have full freedom. You don't have any true freedom. We can have a face-to-face relationship with God where we walk in freedom, where we walk in all that he is. We walk in the light of all that he is and all that he wants to make known to us. He's the God who became man to save mankind. He's the God who came and died for us. This is the everlasting gospel. It does not originate with a person or a religion it comes from heaven it is from god alone no one has the ability to change it no one has the ability to reinterpret it no one has the ability to all the right to hide it but there are those who will try and you see the reason that the gospel is becoming confused for them is because false teachers have come in they are Judaizers, okay? So they are those who are not simply Jewish, but they are trying to make uh, these Gentile Christians follow Jewish customs. Customs that have been done away with because, of course, sacrifice has been completed. And really, these things don't apply to the non Jews. We talked about that in different series. And you see time and time again in the New Testament that groups like these and other groups turn up to churches and they find their way in and they say, no, you can't just have faith in Jesus to be saved, uh, to to have a complete faith. You also need to uh, follow these customs. Okay, but the truth is God has done away with those things. And the, of course, the, the moral commands of the Old Testament apply to love your neighbor and so on they've not been done away with but the customs the food laws do not apply to uh, especially non-jewish christians it's nothing to do with them for every christian jew or non-jew it's all about faith expressing itself through love it paul would say elsewhere it's all about grace it's all about living in the grace of god in all that we do and we talked about this month how there's the grace of god that's the first message there's the glory of God and there's the righteousness of God that are the key elements of the gospel that Paul wants to remind them of. And because these things are being shrouded from them, you see, these are things, God's glory, God's righteousness, God's grace, are all available to anyone if they have faith in Jesus Christ and through faith alone. 
and these things are far more available than they were in the old covenant the old testament we are ministers of this new covenant something that paul had talked about in this letter and it is not dependent on obeying jewish laws jewish customs and that was the issue that paul is facing that's the false teaching that's come in and so these so-called teachers have tried to turn the church against paul they tried to get them to listen to them rather than to Paul and saying you can't trust Paul you can't trust this gospel of grace through faith Um, that's not biblical you know you need to read this scripture and this scripture and 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 apply it this way and Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 11 verses 12 to 5 he says I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Paul tells them, I'm going to tell you what the issue is here. It's not me, as some of you have been led to believe. It's those spreading these fallacies about me and about the gospel that I brought to you and introduced you to. And just like in the Wizard of Oz, when deception is going on, you need to be taken to see things from a different angle to see what's really going on. And he's saying to them, you don't realise how badly you're being fooled here by these people. You don't realise that the devil himself is masquerading. He's wearing a mask through these false teachers. You can't see him, but he is at work. Yes, they're quoting scripture. Yes, they look really polished and eloquent. More polished and eloquent than maybe I am. But listen, so is Satan. Satan comes as something good, as light. But really, he's darkness. And when Satan quotes scripture, he does it out of context. And he does it for personal gain. Just like these teachers. Satan did it with the devil in the desert. And he did it with Eve in the Garden of Eden. And in Paul, in chapter 11, verses 2 to 4 in 2 Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 to 4. Paul goes on to say, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I may present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, you, your mind's may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you received a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. He's saying the thing about deception is that it's very deceiving. When you're being deceived, you don't know you're being deceived and Paul says I'm afraid for you that you're you're going to be led away you're going to be led away from what really matters which is pure and sincere devotion to Christ and that is what you had but you're going to lose that and that's inevitable when false teaching comes in you see in Matthew 7 we know that Jesus uh, warned very strongly about watching out for false teachers false prophets because they come as wolves in sheep's clothing 
as wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like sheep. They look like Christians. They sound like Christians using Christian lingo. They do not belong to him like we do. They look genuine. But Paul's making a stand and it's not just for himself. It's also for them. Paul is a shepherd. Paul is someone who has been put to look after that church by God himself to to see that they are okay to see that they're not devoured by false teaching you know he says he he calls them the bride of Christ as they are and again he speaks to them elsewhere as the sheep of God's pasture and the people that he's been called to serve and he's saying I'm here to help you I'm here to love you I'm here to uh, because I know you could be easily led astray you know sheep are easily led astray and that's why they need a good shepherd and that's why I'm here I'm the good shepherd I'm a good shepherd just like the good shepherd we all follow Jesus Christ and I'm led and commissioned by him to do his work and that's why God gave the church pastor teachers you know pastors they can help you stay on track with Jesus people can offer you a distortion but Paul's saying, I, I, I'm offering you the truth, the truth you already knew, but you're starting to, you're starting to question now, and you shouldn't. And I remember once I was, I was in a church service, and there was someone in that room that God kept putting on my heart in a, in a vision, actually. And so I approached them, and I shared this vision I was getting of them, of seeing them be really confused and lost, and actually tormented, kind of mentally, is what I was seeing. And so I approached them, and I didn't know them very well at this point. And I asked them if this vision about them made any sense. And, and actually, it opened up a conversation where they'd been very confused by the Jehovah's Witness doctrine. Uh, a friend of theirs was preaching uh, Jehovah's Witness doctrine. I'm sure they've been on your door at some point. But really, they preach a different gospel, a different Jesus. And... It was quite amazing that how that conversation came about because only that week, about three or four days before, I felt that I should start researching again on Jehovah's Witnesses. It's something I have always looked into, and um, along with other cults and groups, and and I, you know, I think the reason why for me is because I, if I'm honest, I nearly fell victim to uh, Mormon doctrine when I was a teenager, and uh, you know, would would kind of bump into these Mormon missionaries and they'd be opening the Bible with me and I found it all very exciting until my pastor said listen Sam they're not they're wolves in sheep's clothing you need to you need to think about the doctrine they're sharing and you need to question it and by um by going through the Bible and, and seeing what the Bible really says I could see that everything that they were preaching was complete lies and for a lot of people you know across the world um, Christians or people in the church they can be led astray by things like Islam you know the, the the gospel of Islam is another false gospel because it talks about Jesus and it talks about God's plan for the world and all of this but it's not a Jesus that can save you Jesus is the son of God and he's not a pro he's not just a mere prophet and it's only through faith in him as the son of God and as the God man Jesus Christ that you can be saved and yeah you can quote the bible yeah you can quote 
the Jewish scriptures and so on, yeah, fine. But doesn't mean that you're preaching the truth. We know that with the devil, and it's unfortunately the same with other false teachings as well. And that's why Paul and uh, and other writers in the Bible like Peter are so strong on trying to tackle false teaching that is trying that is going on in the church, not going out to attack other religions. But when the sheep themselves are falling victim to lies, then that's when the shepherd stands up to say something and fight off the wolves from that mental assault on the gospel. And, uh, you know, Paul had a similar message for the Galatians, uh, the church in Galatia. In chapter 1, verse 6 of Galatians, he said, I'm astonished that you are quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And if we have already said, now I say again, if anyone is preaching you, preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Strong, strong words. There is no messing with Paul here when it comes to what the sheep are being deceived by. The shepherd has to say something. The shepherd must fight off the wolves. You know, it's actually, it's not, it's not easy to actually speak up against other religions and so on sometimes because we be often seen as attacking those people. And I'm not attacking anybody. I'm only attacking an ideology because it's the ideology that is against you and is against Christ. And that needs to be examined and questioned with what we know in the truth. So, I mean, think about it. Muhammad, Prophet Muhammad, fake Prophet Muhammad, claimed to be visited by an angel when he wrote the Quran. So did fake Prophet Joseph Smith with the Book of Mormon. Same with so many other groups. And Paul says, if an angel, even if an angel came from heaven and preached you something different, then you need to not listen to that gospel because that is not the truth. You know, the, the devil masquerades as an angel of light. So it shouldn't be surprising to us that so many religions are inspired by angelic visitation. And so hope that kind of makes sense to you. And like I said earlier on, the gospel is not an opinion. It is not, well, that's your point of view. It is a, it's a revelation. It's the revelation. And my goodness, is there a, a war for truth? But listen, it's, it's always been this way with the gospel. It's always been an, an assault on the gospel. And you see, when we take a stand for the truth, when we take a stand for the gospel, when we reach out to those who are being deceived, like that, men, that lady I mentioned earlier on with the Jehovah's Witness teaching, do you know what we're doing? We're pulling down the strongholds of the enemy. We're pulling down the strongholds in their minds that, that the devil is putting there. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity 
to the obedience of Christ. You see, we wage a warfare for truth. And it's a hard battle. It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. I went to a wedding last year and I bumped. I wasn't expecting to see this person there, but I bumped into a friend of mine who I know has always been in this constant battle of following Christ, you know, going after Jesus with all his heart, knowing it's the truth, and then just going back in the world and just just like constantly double having a double life and I was just talking to him and I, and I just thought you know this here's an opportunity here with this this dear young guy that I I know and um I'm just talking to him and I can just hear the lies that the enemy's put in his head and I start I think I start speaking truth I start speaking truth to him I speak start speaking what God says and this weird thing happened. He started shaking. I don't know why he was shaking. I don't know if it was what kind of manifestation it was. If it was God. If it was the enemy. I just don't know. Or if it was just cold. I just don't know. But he was shaking. And I, and I think what was happening. I think there was a battle raging on. On the inside of him. Knowing that I was speaking the truth. And by the power of the spirit. Those strongholds. Were coming under attack. I'm reminded of. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 when Paul says have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them I've seen time and time again how the enemy lies to someone and they don't even know they're being lied to I mean let's face it that is what deception is that is how he operates he's like the wizard of Oz it's all a lie it's all a show and the truth has been hidden and then you come along spirit-filled believer with the word of God inside of you and you expose the darkness. What a privilege. You bring freedom. And you do it with the weapons of the spiritual warfare. You do it with the word of God primarily. You see when you speak truth. When you wield the sword. You're chopping away at Satan's lies. When Jesus was in the desert. He said it's written. It is written. You've got to make sure you quote scripture over yourself and your family. You've got, to, you've got to make sure that you release the work of the spirit through faith, through prayer, through worship. They're all weapons. And God will accomplish great and mighty works through the word and the spirit. Never, never will the word and the spirit return void. I can tell you countless stories of sharing the gospel with those in groups, with deceived Christians with witches, with all kinds of people, and I've never ceased to be amazed at what God can do. And some of you might think, well, I'm not in a Christian sect. I'm not being deceived. I'm not listening to false teachers. What? How are false teachers, how is false teaching infiltrating the church these days? It's not always some person who turns up and starts leading a dodgy Bible study at your church. It's mainly through media. It's mainly through books and so on there's prosperity gospel teachers and it's such a perverse version of the gospel there's also those even in the church that teach that all religions serve the same god or that hell is not real or that the bible it affirms uh these these relationships that it doesn't and you could go online really and find any teacher who wants to teach you what you want to hear. I can remember being at Bible college and there were people who were reading certain books 
and convincing themselves that angels and demons uh, were not real. Well, specifically demons were not real, but they were actually myths that Jesus accommodated into his own teaching to supernaturalize mental illness, something like that. I didn't get into it too much because I knew it was complete nonsense. And I remember just telling him, this is just nonsense what you're, what you're, what you're reading. But I, that deception was taking place. I mean, what a good deception for the enemy to do, right? To convince him people he's not even there. But let's look at the man behind the curtain. You see, 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. In another place in Scripture, Paul talks about how there will be the doctrines of devils being taught in the church, especially in the end times. And you hear about it today, um, that people just don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And the Lord spoke to me about this passage, about this passage about uh, those with itching ears and the teachers that they surround themselves with. Because I have this issue, uh, always have this issue with my ears being itchy. And um, it's, it's something I struggle with. But, you know, when you get itchy ears, it doesn't solve the problem to just scratch it. You need oil. And that's the point. You see, what's the analogy there? You shouldn't be scratching your ears. You should be putting the oil inside your ears to keep your ears open, to keep the infection away, to keep your ears open to what God wants to say. The Holy Spirit, the anointing, will illuminate your hearts and minds to discern the truth. You know, even if pastor so-and-so interprets the scripture this way, and even if they've got a great ministry, and even if this and that, it doesn't mean anything. If scripture, or the interpretation of scripture contradicts other scriptures, then listen, there's error being taught there. And I could give you examples, but I don't have time today. But really, you have to, you have to not agree with the false teaching. You have to question teaching, even from us as a leadership team, to at least if you hear something, that's not quite right, Pastor Sam or Pastor Malcolm or whoever, you need... And, and that's the way to deal with it, right? Because we, we, it's possible for us to be off. doesn't mean we're false teachers. To be a false teacher, you need to have a false heart, right? A false motive, just like the people uh, that Paul talks about. And listen, it's, it, it can happen in churches, and, and we know it happens even in churches in this area, that people band together, factions form, you know, little groups form, and uh, they go, well, this, we're going to teach this now. And uh, we're going to ignore what the pastor says. And it can be like that. But oftentimes it's just that person in the church or people in the church who truth, plain truth is being taught from the front. But really, I can't, I can't hear that truth because I've been scratching my ears with the mistruth of false teaching. That's what happened with the, to, the, the Corinthian church. And like I said, there's room for disagreement about secondary theological issues. Um, like, are we predestined for heaven or not? I think that's a secondary issue. But Paul is saying, look, when it's when these people come and they preach a different gospel to you, 
right? A different understanding of who Jesus is. You can't have anything to do with these people. You can't listen to these people. They have nothing to offer you. Yes, they might be right and have some points here and there, but listen, it's, it's not the point. And you know, for the Judaizers, it was saying that they had lack. And this is, this is the final point I wanna make, is that false teaching always tells you you're in lack, that you need something. For the Judaizers, it was, yes, you've got Jesus, yes, you've got the Messiah, but you also need to follow the law to be saved, okay? And for false teachers, it's never enough. It's all about following this special teaching or this teacher or this thing. And, you know, the gospel is that you have been saved by grace through faith, not of works. And there's glory on that gospel. I want to bring it back to the Wizard of Oz just one final time. You've got to remember this. Tin Man wanted a heart from the wizard. And, you know, he had a heart. He had a heart after all. We need to remember that although people will say we need to obey the law, obey this special teaching or this thing over here. Listen, God promised uh, us through Ezekiel and Jeremiah and other prophets that when the new covenant came about, which came about through Jesus, that God said he would put his spirit in our hearts. He would write his law on our hearts, that we would live out of a place of grace, place of glory, place of anointing and living connection and willing obedience to follow the precepts of God. Okay, that is the new covenant. It's so powerful. The scarecrow wanted a brain. Likewise, the false teachers, they offer you their wisdom. If you don't have this wisdom, if you don't have this knowledge, then you, 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 don't, you don't have it. You're not there yet. You're not complete. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, We have the mind of Christ. We have the knowledge that casts down false knowledge. We, ca- we, we have the knowledge that casts down anything that sets itself against the knowledge of God. The gospel is superior to everything. The lion, he wanted courage. But likewise, false teachers say that you can have no confidence before God if you do not obey their teaching, if you don't obey their interpretation of scripture, that you are not righteous yet, so you need to attain righteousness. But scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, Verse 21, that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Proverbs 28 verse 1, you're going to love this. It says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know, the cowardly lion, he was so afraid of the wizard of Oz. The reality is, the Wizard of Oz was actually afraid of the lion. And I'm telling you, you might see yourself as being afraid and timid, but God sees you as a lion. The enemy sees you as a lion. God is the only roaring lion. He is the one who, loud, who roars the loudest. Amen. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes, the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, but he's not a lion. Only Jesus is the lion. 1 John 4 says this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false teachers have gone out into the world. 
This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. Dear children, you are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one thing Satan doesn't want you to do is see yourself as righteous, to see yourself as bold in God. He doesn't want you to know you have authority over his plans, over his purposes. He doesn't want you to look behind the curtain, but today enemies have been unmasked. When we expose false gospels, when we expose false versions of Jesus, when we become ministers of reconciliation, bringing Christian unity where there has been disunity, when false teachers are exposed and people come into sound, healthy, biblical doctrine, we will realize we have everything we need. Everything we have, everything we need is already in Christ. We lack nothing. We have it. We've got the gospel. We know it. We know him. And we are going to make a stand against the enemy. And I want to tell you right now that some of you have believed that you're not righteous. That you need to attain righteousness. And I want to tell you that you need to continue to bear fruit. Like Malcolm said last week. It was such a good message, Malcolm. But listen, grace, glory, righteousness are yours already. As you see the people wearing their masks this week for Halloween, just remind yourself, enemies have been unmasked. And the enemy will one day be seen for what he is. The one who brought low the nations will be seen for the weak thing that he really is. And all these things that we're going through right now, they'll be over. Everything he's tried to do in the world, everything he's tried to do in the church, everything he's tried to do in your life is over. But listen, even now, take authority, wield the sword of the Spirit, and see God's will unfold as you bring down strongholds. In Jesus' name, be bold, be brave, and I'll see you soon. God bless.